Another week of Big 12 basketball is in the books, and we're talking about it at Heartland College Sports, your home for everything Big 12 sports. I'm Pete Mundo. He is Matthew Postens, our lead Big 12 basketball writer, doing outstanding work on the site. And if you're hopping on the show, we always appreciate our radio affiliates. And, of course, on the podcast, drop that five-star rating and review. Plus, of course, if you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up on the video. Helps tremendously and subscribe to the show. All right, Matthew, uh, the video this week, we're going to talk about the games and what's coming up on Saturday. But the question right now, who is the best team in the Big 12? How would you answer that one? Well, this is a fun question because, you know, I think the standings kind of speak for themselves at this point. I think it's either Iowa State or Houston. And this is what's funny. You know, right now, they're both tied for the conference lead at eight and three. Mm -hmm. They're both undefeated at home. Yeah, they both have the same record on the road at four and three. Iowa State's three and four against AP teams. Houston's two and one against AP teams. You know, Houston's got a slightly better Ken Palm defensive rating than Iowa State. I mean, there isn't a lot that really separates them, but I'm going to take Iowa State for a couple reasons. Number one, I think Iowa State's playing a little bit better basketball right now, just overall. Um, Obviously, they've been a great defensive team for the three years that they've been uh, playing for TJ Otzelberger, but I think their offense has caught up, and I think Taman Lipsy's developed into one of the most dynamic players uh, in the conference, and I can't wait to see him go up against Jamal Shedd again, I guess, in a couple of weeks when they play Houston again. The other reason is Iowa State beat Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to default to the head-to-head, you know, in that kind of a situation when there's when there's so little difference between the two teams, I've got to default to the head-to-head. So right now, I've got to say, Iowa State, by a nose, is probably the best team in the conference. You know, I think if they play 10 times, I would say Houston wins six. But they played once, and Iowa State has the win. So I agree with you. I don't know how you can say it's Iowa State right now, based on what these two teams have done. But I think it's also interesting to point out what you did there, which is that when you look at Iowa State and Houston, they are much better home teams. Now, you can say that across the Big 12 for the most part, outside of probably Texas, which has been weirdly sometimes better on the road than at home. But, I mean, look at Kansas. Kansas stinks on the road, Matthew, and they're Mm -hmm. obviously really good at home. Is that just the Big 12 this year? It's been deeper? It's been more physical? Or is there something else to explain it? No, I, I think that's been the Big 12 this year. I mean, when you think about Kansas's road losses, they've all been in conference. Yep. I think four of the five have been against unranked teams, although to be fair to them with Texas Tech, Texas Tech had just fallen out of the top 25 when they lost to them on Monday. But you look down the the away records here in the conference, the only other team with a record above 500 on the road is TCU. They're also four and three mm-hmm. and they're sitting there at six and five in the conference and they're 11 and two at home. So I, I think that's just life in this conference. It's so hard to win a game on the road uh, in this league. It doesn't matter how good you are. Everybody's got a chance. When you look at West Virginia, they've beaten Texas and they've beaten Kansas at their place. I mean, I think that tells you everything you need to know about the depth of the conference at this point. Now, Here's the interesting part, though. Can we both sit here and say Iowa State right now is the best team in the Big 12, but then also agree it's entirely possible Houston ends up winning the Big 12 because they've got Iowa State at home next Monday and they may have an easier road down the stretch here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
we're sitting here talking about best right now. Best yeah. right now might not be best when we get to Kansas City in a few weeks. Yep. I mean, right now, after what happened, after Kansas losing to Texas Tech, after everything that happened on Tuesday, Iowa State's actually the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament if the tournament started before Saturday's games. Mm-hmm. I, I could easily see that flip where not just like Iowa State and flip, you know, Houston flip one, two, but I could also see several other teams flip into those top four spots. And that's really important this year because with the expanded tournament, the top four seeds get a double buy, the fifth and the sixth seed get a single buy. So if you're trying to rest your guys a little bit, you really want to finish in the top four. And, and we've got a highly competitive race where, you know, the top seven teams are within two games of each other. So lots of competition coming down the stretch. It it is wild in the big 12. Um, We saw Bill self get ejected in many ways. You know, there were a bunch of buys this week in the big 12. So, uh, and the the games mostly went chalk, uh, but the most compelling storyline is Bill self getting ejected. And it feels to me like a Kelvin Sampson moment where he was just taking his frustrations out. Now I know some people are going to claim he just wanted to get off the court because his team was getting blown out. I don't buy that for a second. Bill Self was trying to send a message to the officials, but that's now three Big 12 coaches, Matthew. Bill Self, Scott Drew, Kelvin Simpson injected in the last week and a half. And mm-hmm. by the way, these are guys who had never been ejected at their current programs, and they're three of the top coaches in college basketball. Yeah. This is <laughs> something's going on here, and Brett Yormark's got to figure out what to do about it. Yeah. I mean, Self said after the game, he wasn't trying to get ejected, but he did admit to saying a couple of magic words. Yeah, and come on. Yeah. There, there are certain words that you say to an official, you're gone. And he could have stopped after the first tee, but I think after the first tee, he was like, okay, fine. We're down 20. Let's just go. Let's just give up money's worth, right? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's interesting because the, the week before Drew got ejected, I was at the TCU Baylor game. Yep. And there were a couple of moments there where I saw one of the officials who just happened to work the Tuesday game between Baylor and Oklahoma kind of give Drew a half dirty look like he he was not digging what Drew was saying to him. And it was Dixon later on who got the T for reasons that I still don't understand four weeks later. So there's the conference really need. I feel like I, I wrote this on Sunday. The conference needs to be transparent about what. They're what the information are is they're getting from coaches and athletic directors because they're obviously getting feedback and there's obviously some discontent among folks in the conference about officiating. I think they need to be transparent about the feedback they're getting and and tell people what they're going to do about it. Because when Fran Frischill is on Twitter, like we talked about last week, saying the last two weeks in the conference have been way too physical. And, you know, he's talking to coaches all the time. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of coaches are telling him the same thing. You know, I totally agree with that. And um, when it comes to the officiating, listen, I threw out the idea and it's never going to happen. I mean, hell, if the NFL can't make their officials full time uh, as a multi-billion dollar industry, it's never going to happen in the college game. But if you had something of that ilk where you had big 12 officials hire through the conference versus the NCAA model at large that we currently have, would that make more sense? Because we had that in football, right, where there's where there's officials for conferences. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked about this, I think last year, you know, John Higgins uh, made or could make like $300,000 a year officiating. There are guys who do this like full time. They travel around the country and they've got affiliations with different conferences and different officials. So there are guys that do this full time. If, if the money's right, 
for the officials because mm -hmm. they're all independent contractors. If you can create a system where you could get a group of professional officials, so to speak, that would work one particular conference's game the entire season, then you might get more consistent officiating across the board within, the, say, the Big 12 or the SEC. Uh, the only, like we talked about last week, there's no real public analytic to great officials. The only criteria that's really out there in terms of, you know, determining which officials officiate, which games are, is NCAA criteria for mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. And even that's kind of murky, but yeah. at least there it's somewhat out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a professional model or a semi-professional model would help. But right now, all of these guys are independent contractors and it's really up to them how much they work. And it's really up to the conferences how much they get paid, and they get paid for how much they work. Yeah, good point. So I wanted to uh, address this because we're about two thirds of the way now through the conference schedule. And I was thinking about it the other night. You know, the four new Big 12 teams BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, they all more or less underachieved in football, right? I mean, Houston football, we know how that one went with Dana getting blown out. UCF, uh, was close in a couple of big games, but still underachieved. Cincinnati had a bad season. BYU also pretty bad season. But in basketball, I, I don't want to say they're, well, yeah, I'll say they're all overachieving. Even Houston. Not that I thought that Houston was going to be middle of the pack, but if you told me they would be in first place two-thirds of the way through, I, yeah. I wouldn't have been shocked, but still, that's pretty darn good. You've got BYU above 500 in league play, and you've got UCF and Cincinnati at four and seven in the conference, but man, you see this every night, Matthew, they are uh, grinded out teams that don't make it easy on their opponents. So the four new teams, how do you assess them in this league? I think they're doing great. I, I think they're really good fits. And I think they took advantage of the two year run up between knowing they were going to join the big 12 and actually joining probably better than football did. And to be fair to football, it's harder because yes, there's yes. a lot more financial investment that's required to be in a power conference than there is in a group of five conference from a football standpoint, 85 scholarships. Uh, you've got to have great facilities all the way around. So there's a lot more investment that you have to gather there. Not that you don't invest in basketball, but it's 85 players versus about 15 players. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like they had quality coaches at all four of these programs all four of these programs had had some level of success in their conferences to that point. And they've done a really good job of recruiting and cultivating the transfer portal. Um, it's like I say with football, not all these kids can go to Alabama. Not all these kids can go to Texas. And now with the portal, you know, you've got mid-major kids who want to level up to a high major program. And now these four schools are looked at as high major basketball programs. And this is, going to do nothing but help them next offseason mm -hmm. because they've been competitive in this conference and they'll look at BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston as destinations to play maybe their final year of college basketball or even maybe to play two or three years because they see it as an opportunity to get high level coaching to play in the best conference in college basketball and to hopefully you know in some cases prepare themselves for a professional career yeah. I, I love the fit I think they play great basketball and I think, you know, with the four new schools coming in too, I think all four of them are really good fits as well. I'm, I'm excited. It's been awesome. I, I worried that it might water down the product basketball wise with the four new schools, but it really has not done that at all. All right. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. And you're listening and watching on Heartland College Sports covering the Big 12 Conference. Thanks for being here. 
on the radio affiliates, on the uh, YouTube, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and on the podcast, leave that five-star rating and review. Matthew, let's look ahead to Saturday here. Uh, we've got a full slate of games. There's some good. There's one ranked game, and that's Kansas at Oklahoma. Um, but there's a lot of intriguing games. Tech at Iowa State, TCU at K-State, Texas at Houston, BYU goes to Oklahoma State, UCF hosts Cincinnati, and Baylor travels to West Virginia. To me, when I look at this thing, um, game of the week, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel if you feel strongly about any of these, Matthew, but I might actually go ahead and and say it's Kansas and Oklahoma because if Kansas loses this game after getting blown out by 30, and we don't know what McCullough's situation is just yet, mm-hmm. I, there are going to be alarm bells there in Lawrence. So that, just because of that storyline, I'll give the edge to that game. What about you? Yeah, that game is intriguing, not just because of McCuller, but uh, Oklahoma lost uh, Rivaldo Suarez uh, in their yeah. game against Baylor on Tuesday. And he was having a great game, and he's really come on the past few weeks. I don't, I don't know what his condition is yet, but he needed help off the floor when he got hurt in the second half. So, mm-hmm. you know, his return to their lineup is in question, and they need his offense down the stretch because they're they're one of those teams. And I, I wrote about this on Tuesday, where when they win, they win big. When they lose, they lose big. Um, so Kansas is either going to win this game by a big margin or Oklahoma is going to win this game by a big margin. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of in-between when it comes to Oklahoma right now. So I, I definitely agree with you. That there's there's definitely some intrigue in that game. Mm-hmm. I think you know there's a couple of games here where if you're thinking about seeding, bubble, that kind of thing, Cincinnati going to UCF and winning is vital to them right now. They that is a game they must win. They have to figure out how to win a road game in this conference. They have to accumulate two or three wins before they get to Kansas City or else they may get relegated to the NIT. And then, you know, if you're if you're thinking about it from TCU's standpoint, you're trying to improve your seating, going to a place like Kansas State and winning a game there on the road would be really helpful to the Horn Frogs just in terms of bolstering their resume going into March. You know, Jamie Dixon talked about it last year after they were a nine seed and they lost to Arizona in the second round. We don't want to be like an eight or a nine again. Right now, that's kind of where they are. They're kind of a seven, eight, nine when you look at all the different bracketologies out there. So a few more wins for them, winning some road games, that's a quad one win for them. Yep. That could help their seeding when they get to the uh, tournament as well. Now, uh, we have a mention, of course, Texas Tech at uh, Iowa State, and we'll get into this, Matthew, but you know, you can make the case this is the best game in the league on Saturday, and it's on ESPN+. And yeah. man, I get it. I really do. I know they got to drive those subscriptions, but I, at, at some point, and I went on a rant about this the other night on the show, um, on Monday... Iowa State at Houston, which could very well be for first place in the Big 12 as we approach March, is on ESPNU. I mean, what a damn insult. I, it's just like you've got the best basketball conference in the country. If I'm Brett Yormark, I, I'm making calls. I just, I'm making calls about these games, Matthew. I don't know what he can do, but he can at least be pissed off about it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think that Iowa State Houston game is going to be one of the best games. Um, best games of the night. I mean, obviously they build big Monday around big brands on ESPN. And if you look at the eight o'clock game, it's Kansas state at Texas, which if you're thinking of it from the standpoint of, you know, 
that was a really good game when they played it on big Monday last year. I think it was like 114, 108 or something like that. But you're talking about a couple of unranked teams, Texas, who's trying to hang out of the bubble. Kansas state is trying to play their way back onto the bubble. I mean, it, it probably will be a compelling game, but, but it's the, Texas. That's why yeah. they're doing this crap. You know that. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering what the six o'clock game is that night because, um, looks like it's Virginia and Virginia tech. You know, they got the ACC contract. They've got it. They, they always seem to drop an ACC game in there at six o'clock on Monday and then a big 12 game at eight. I mean, they set this schedule pretty much in October. That's part of the reason why we have to wait so long for it when we're waiting for the conference schedule is because they're trying to align all the television times. It's not like football where they have games they opt into, mm-hmm. you know, a week before. Maybe that's something they need to talk to ESPN and their partners about, you know, because to me, this is a game that you could easily flip. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Iowa state and, and, and Houston into that spot and move up Texas and Kansas state by a couple of hours. I mean, yep. give them a couple of weeks notice to do that. And I, I don't think that's that big a deal. Uh, and it should not be difficult to do to your, to your broader point. Um, so Texas tech and Iowa state's going to be ESPN plus meantime, you know, as you look around this schedule, Houston's got Texas TCU at Kansas state, you mentioned BYU, Matthew, um, you know, BYU held on for dear life against UCF the other night. They beat Kansas state. I mean, they are, uh, a much better home team as many are in the big 12 versus going on the road. Yeah. Are you buying this BYU team or are you holding on to this sucker for now? I, I, they're fun to watch. I mean, yeah, they play, they are a heart attack to watch, man. They, they play a great brand of basketball. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have questions about their defense. I mean, especially after giving up 80 something to UCF the other night, um, don't send them to the free throw line. I mean, <laughs> they were like 40 or 46 the other night against UCF, which is just insane. I, I, I'm kind of a hold on them right now because I feel like they're a team that offensively you get to March, you get to the tournament. They could get really hot because mm. when all of their offensive players are firing, they're really hard to keep up with. They're that team. Like I, I think I pointed out earlier this year where if they're shooting 38, 39%, they're going to win from the three. If they're 33, 34%, they're going to lose. There's no real middle ground there. So for me, you know, them going into Gallagher, Iba, given the state where Oklahoma state is right now with their program, that is a game that for them, they should go in and win. If BYU doesn't go in and win that game, a, obviously the conference is tough, but B, I think you got to have questions about how sustainable BYU is going to be the rest of this way. And then going into the big 12 tournament and then going into the NCAA tournament, because on every other level, they're going to the tournament. They've got a high RPI. They've got a good enough record. Their resume looks very good, but you're trying I think at this point we're trying to figure out, are they a team that's going to win a couple games or are they going to go out in the first round? Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland uh, College Sports. It's great to be here with you. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you this. We got a couple of minutes. You mentioned Oklahoma State, uh, and we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. Where are you at right now at Mike Boynton? Is he going to be coaching this team next year? I still think he'll be coaching this team next year. I it's, I, I think it'll be dependent upon a couple of things. Number one, you know, how much is his buyout left? Because I think he's got like three or four years left in the deal. Number two, you know, how do they finish? You know, I, yep. I'd love to see them. I think their athletic director would love to see them finish with a few wins to end the season and, um, you know, maybe win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament. I think it also could very well depend upon can M- Mike Boynton keep this team together? They've got a lot of really good young players. 
I mean, they've got McDonald's all American type players on this team, but they're freshmen and freshmen need yeah. time to grow. Will they commit to giving Mike Boynton Jr. another year to do that? And that might be the inflection point. It might be, Mike, we're going to give you one more year. We, we, we think you've got talent. We think you've got the right guys here. You need to bring in a few guys in the transfer portal. If he survives this year, I think next year is like the year. Either he gets it done, shows the kind of success that I think they're capable of, or they make a change. But right now, I still think they're going to be that I think he's going to be the head coach next year. I think that's incredibly fair. And if that's the approach that Oklahoma State takes, um, I will fully support him in that. Matthew, it's always fun, man. Saturday's going to be loaded. Uh, we appreciate you as always, and we will do this again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports. Sign up for our free message boards on the website. And of course, leave that thumbs up, comments, subscribe. We got you guys here and also on the podcast as well. Have a great day. Go Big 12. We'll talk to you soon.